Hello, welcome to another mini episode of Tales from the Fourth Trimester. I am deep in creating this course. We are really at the pointy end now. I'm just doing um, some last minute recording. Um, on Sunday, I've got a few more cooking videos to do. And then I'm hoping that by Monday, it'll be out of the world. Anyway, you guys will be among the first to hear about it when it is out. Um, if you haven't signed up for my wait list, then you can email me, Naomi at cocoonbynaomi.com. Um, and I will pop you on there because there will be bonuses for people on the wait list. But what I wanted to do was just drop in, say hi, and talk a little bit about the mental load. Oh my God, the fucking mental load, man. Okay, so this is what I'd wish I'd known about the mental load. I definitely hadn't heard about the mental load pre-Margot and actually it wasn't something, it wasn't a phrase then. It came out of an article um, that went viral and then I think got the writer a book deal and it's become common um, parlance now to talk about the mental load. But it wasn't um, a phrase that existed, although the actual mental load certainly did exist. I think for me, the idea of the mental load crystallised when I was back at work. So for the first seven months that I was at home with Margot, excuse me while I sip my water, um, we pretty much fell into traditional gender roles. <laughs> Michael worked full time and was out of the house for pretty long hours now in hindsight. Now that I've got him working from home, I'm like, what the hell on earth did we manage to do that from 7.30 in the morning until he wouldn't get home till 6.30 at night? Um, and I was at home with the baby um, doing my nice maternity leave thing and sometimes my not nice maternity leave thing. But um, generally speaking, I was in charge of the house and he was bringing home the bacon and, um, you know, he I was basically taking care of that stuff. Then I went back to work Um Started out two days a week and then went up to three days a week working at Marie Claire magazine where I was the features editor. And I loved being back at work and using that side of my brain and then having my days off with Margot where we did our fun stuff together. But what I didn't love was how suddenly I had two big jobs to do. Actually three. So one, mother. Two, features editor three manager of all household activities suddenly I was like okay like I'm the one who remembers to order the toilet paper I'm the one who writes the shopping list does the meal plan does the shopping does the cooking um I don't remember if we had a cleaner at that point we sort of had a cleaner on and off love a bloody cleaner um but basically I was the one who had to remember to remind Michael to call his mother because he hadn't done it for a while or remember, you know, to buy the birthday present for, um, you know, the, the two-year-old birthday party we were going to or, um, you know, remember to book in the painter to paint, whatever, like all of those things. It felt like I had 50 tabs open in my brain at all times and I don't think I originally associated it with that mental load but there was definitely resentment um, creeping into um, the relationship. When I was um, working at Marie Claire, I can't remember how far postpartum I was. Maybe it was a year, maybe a little bit more, but 
I, um, there was a new book that came out called Drop the Ball by a woman called Tiffany Dufu, who's an American woman. And we got sent a copy of this and I, one of my jobs as feature editor is to, you know, check out books and see if we can extract them or do a story of them. And I started reading this book and I was kind of blown away and we decided to do a story on it. So essentially the book is based on Tiffany's own experiences with a similar kind of thing, becoming a mother and then working and suddenly being like, hang on, how did this happen? How did we get to this point? So she talks about how she, um, she'd come home after picking up the groceries and her husband's shirt. And she was like, I'm desperately trying to, um, have a quick shower before I have to feed the baby. Um, and he walked in the door, flung his bag on the floor and just crashed on the couch, put his feet up and started watching the basketball. And she had this moment where she was like, I am like everything that I am doing is allowing you to have this kind of life. And yet no one's doing that for me and no one's pitching in. I am, I am the only one pitching in. And from that experience, she decided to change things. Um, she was like quite a high powered executive and she decided to kind of create a system where she was going to deal with this mental load. So that's where the book came from, Drop the Ball, because she says there's sort of two parts to it. One is you have to, with your partner, do a, like a spreadsheet of all of the things, all of the household tasks. So the tiniest things like who opens the mail, um, you know, who calls, who organizes the babysitter for a date night, who keeps up the grandparents with, um, you know, photos, you know, those sorts of things. Um, bigger things like who books holidays, who, um, you know, does drop-offs, who is taking care of water bottles and snack boxes when you go out as a family, you know, everything, everything, minute detail to bigger things as well. And in that, <laughs> sort of you, you look at it and you go, and you do it with your partner. So they also like don't assume that, you know, you're doing everything because there's probably stuff that they're doing that's invisible to you too, but it's what's, it's making the invisible visible. Um, so it, it's all out there. Every, both of you have put everything on there and then you go, okay, we are going to renegotiate this. So what, who is going to take care of what, what are we going to drop and what are we going to delegate, uh, um, outsource? So it's delegate, drop and outsource. I can't remember if she uses those terms, but I think that's essentially what it is. It's been a while since I read it. But um, so she says, you know, what what is just kind of unnecessary now in this season of life? You know, maybe you can drop some certain things that just um, they don't matter. Um, then who is going to take care of other things and what can you outsource? Um, so, you know, whether that's getting a cleaner or having the dry cleaners deliver the dry cleaning or, you know, having a grandparent step in to do a Monday night dinner, whatever, um, you know, what can you outsource and um, who's going to take care of what? And then the second crucial part comes and that's dropping the ball. So you have to drop the ball. So it's very tempting, I think, as women um, to just pick up the slack. And I think in doing that, we shoot ourselves in the foot because 
we make it, you know, that I can't remember that saying, but like, don't do your job too well, or like, you'll always stay in it. Um, it's kind of like that, you know, if you're doing your job really well, then why would anything change? Um, so you have to let go and let them mess it up and let them do it themselves. So Tiffany in the book talks about how like one of the jobs that was delegated, she gave to her husband or the husband decided to take on was he would be the one who opened the mail. So they'd, you know, they collected the mail, it went and popped on, you know, a console table in the hallway and he was, that was his job to open it. And she watched every day for weeks as this pile and pile of um, mail grew and he did nothing about it. And it's like, he didn't see it. You know, I think I don't want to be too, um, sexist but I do think that men have the men that I know not all of them actually my dad's not at all like this he's way more tidy and conscious than um any woman I've ever met but certainly the men I've been in relationship seem to have this amazing ability to just not see things not notice things genuinely um and maybe that's a I'm sure that's a conditioning thing not a um not a not a sex thing that's just how they've been trained or not trained um anyway but my point is that this guy her husband didn't just just let the mail pile up until they started getting phone calls about overdue bills now for her as a really capable high functioning organized woman that was really hard and she just had to be like okay i'm letting go i'm letting go i'm letting go i'm letting go and it took that wake up call for him to go, Oh, okay. Like I actually have to do this. Um, and that's, that's how it is. Um, and you know, kind of constantly reassessing, like, is this working? Can we make this better? Do we need to outsource this? Do we need to swap a job? That kind of thing. So I, when I read that, it kind of crystallized some things for me. And the story that we ended up doing was a woman actually then went and tested that theory um and see how to see if it worked for her life and it did um not fully but you know it helped so it crystallized a few things for me and i suddenly realized what it was sort of part of the resentment that i was feeling in my relationship and sort of this feeling that i had taken on this role that i hadn't signed up for um and I didn't want to just be this kind of household drudge and um, someone who was just director of activities and I had Michael was just like another big child. I didn't want to feel like that. I wanted to feel like I was in a partnership and a team and where sometimes I could just, I could drop the ball and I could be confident knowing that someone else would step in and that we were pull, pulling our, our weight in the partnership. Um Excuse me. And around this time, you know, all the articles about mental load were coming out and I remember sending all of these things to Michael. And I started saying to him, like we did do, we did look at, um, you know, what was going on in our house. So I remember starting to say to him things like, don't mental load me. Like he would say, uh, I can't even think of an example, but like, oh, have you, do you know what, um, clothes she needs for daycare or whatever and I'd be like don't mental load me you're mental loading me you're mental loading me right now I became a verb and he started to kind of get it and I don't think I've said that to him for a really long time which is probably a good sign um, we ended up having like a big marriage crisis about two years into our relation into our parenting journey and that came in large part from the mental load 
and building resentment and not communicating openly with each. Well, I did communicate, but I don't think that he realized how serious I was. And I definitely let the resentment sort of fester up. And I remember saying to a friend, like, I just feel like I'm banging my head up against a brick wall. And I feel like I'm just not even a person anymore. I'm just kind of there to serve. And, you know, I hated feeling like that. And sort of out of that, um, other things happen which I won't really get into but um you know I just I I ended up feeling like you know maybe this isn't the right thing for me maybe I shouldn't be in relationship with this guy he's not listening to me um he's not getting on board he will he would sort of say yeah no I get it yeah yeah absolutely no I will do that and nothing would change um and, you know, sometimes people ask me, like, what do you do to, like, get them on board? What do you do to get them to um, to stop the mental load? <laughs> and I say, kind of not jokingly, but, um, you know, you've, you've got to threaten to leave. I don't actually believe that. I don't think you should hold empty threats. But that's kind of what it took for us um, to really shake things up and have a come-to-Jesus moment for both of us, but particularly for him to realize that like this was our relationship at stake if things didn't change, because I wasn't willing to be cast in this role. I wasn't willing to live. That's not what I signed up for. Um, And I I just refused to do that. I would prefer to be, um, you know, on my own or with someone else who got it um, than be just sticking it out for the sake of um, a marriage. So (laughs) obviously that didn't happen. And I'm really happy to say that um, things got back on course. Things certainly didn't get perfect and they're not perfect, but we are now in a much better place in terms of the mental load. He I don't think it's a 50-50 split, um, but I'd say it's more like... 6535 I reckon that's probably reasonable um he takes care of a lot of stuff now and um that's partly to do with the fact that he now works from home thanks to COVID so um you know that that shifted things too but even pre-COVID um you know I would never have had a second child with him if things hadn't changed so it is possible um you do kind of have to be a bit bolshy about it and resolute and staunch because this is your life at stake. And if you don't want to turn around at 60 and be like, fuck, I just like became that drudge. And you know what? I don't want to say that, you know, there are women, plenty of women, and I absolutely respect this, who go, you know, I want to be in that traditional gender role and I want to look after the house and I want to take on that load. That's not what the mental load is. The mental load, well, that is what the mental load is, but it doesn't mean that you necessarily have to be unhappy about it like if that's what you guys have negotiated as your roles that's fine um that's cool it's about feeling like you've got that equal partnership and um the idea that fair doesn't always mean equal so it's the fair partnership not necessarily everything's equal and counted out and everyone's got exactly 50 50 but what feels fair for you guys and what do you want out of a relationship what do you want your family to look like you know i i totally respect people go no i want to be a stay-at-home mother i want to be um you know the household manager that's what i like that's what we've negotiated i'm cool with that great um but if you are kind of doing the working thing you're doing the that life then you know the mental load may feel like a bigger thing and might breed resentment 
and that's what it did for me. So this is what I wish that I had known about the mental load. I wish that I'd had the conversations in pregnancy. Um, and that's something that, you know, in the course that I'm putting out in a few days, we I'm offering conversation starters, including this sort of thing um, in the course, because I think it's really important to start having these conversations even before the baby comes. So yes, that's what I wish I'd known about the mental load. I will be back in your ears very soon ranting about something else that I wish I'd known.